I, 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 I've got something in my heart tonight that I just want to share. Um, not not going to be uh, real, real long. I'll be done as soon as I'm through. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but if you have your Bibles tonight, I, I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. The book of Genesis chapter 1. And I uh, just want to share something that the Lord's put on uh, my heart. Uh, sometime back, he dealt with me out of this passage, and, and, and really this week I was, I was just praying and seeking, and, and, and he drew me back to it, and uh, I love this uh, passage, I love this book, uh, I love the Bible actually, and, uh, but I, I want to just share what's on my heart tonight and ask the Lord to bless it. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, would you stand together as we read the word of the Lord, and uh, you could be sitting a while, uh, not, not going to make promises, but not planning on being lengthy, just got something on my heart that I want to share, uh, then let the Lord do what he wants to do tonight. Genesis chapter number 1, beginning at verse number 1, actually. It says this, in the beginning, everybody say the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Can I say it like this? He created the heaven and then the earth. Heaven precedes earth. Spiritual precedes natural. Something must be, there must be something more than just what's in the natural. There has to be something over this natural, over this earth. And in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, notice this, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Watch this. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Everybody say the first day. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form. It was out of shape. It was chaotic. It was void, empty, fruitless. Darkness seemed to prevail. But God was still moving. The Spirit of God was still moving. In, when it was dark, when it was chaotic, when it didn't look like things were coming together. Come on, somebody. And, and, and yet God was still moving and God was still speaking. And he said that God said, let there be light. There was light. He saw the light, divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. I want to I want to just talk to you uh, this evening just for a little bit on, on the subject day one of your deliverance. Day one of your deliverance. Father, we thank you for your presence already. We thank you for what you've done in our heart. You've refreshed us, God, on a Friday night. You've refreshed us with your presence because, God, if we gather here and it doesn't have your presence, it's just an empty, void gathering. But, God, when your presence arrives, when your presence manifests, God, Lord, it makes all the difference. And, God, it doesn't just, it's not just what we want. It's what drew us here. It's what we were hungry for. It's what we crave. It's what we desire. It's what we want is we want you, Jesus and so, Father, we just thank you for that. I pray, God, tonight that you would fill my heart with your word, that my mouth may speak of the abundance of my heart, being filled with your word and your word alone. Help me to speak tonight, O oh God, as the very oracles of God. Help people to hear you in the midst of what I'm saying so that it's life-changing because if they just hear me, it'll mean nothing. But if they hear you, it, it'll bring light into their darkness, change into their chaos, it will bring order into something that is out of shape. Father, we'll thank you for what you do. We'll glorify you and honor you and bless you and praise you. For we ask it in the name truly above every name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Turn around and tell somebody this is day one of your deliverance. I dare you to tell them. Day one of your deliverance. 
Amen. You can be seated. I, I, love, I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I love it not just to preach out of. I love to read it. I love to learn it. I love to apply it. I love to, I love to dig. I just love the Word. Get up early with the Word. Sometimes stay up late with the Word. Spend the day with the Word. I mean, I just love it. It speaks to me. Jesus said the words that He speaks, they are spirit and they are life. I mean, knows the word of God is alive. The Bible said in Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, for the, for the word of God is quick. That word quick means alive. It is alive. In other words, you don't have to make the word alive. It is alive. You don't have to pump it alive. It is alive. It is quick. It has life in it. There's an innate life to it. And, and, and so it, it has life and it gives life. And, and the Bible said, for the, the word of God is quick and powerful, powerful. It has power to speak unto us and power to change things and power to deliver you and power to change things and power to rearrange circumstances. And I love the word because one of the things I love most about the word is the word of God gives you options. It gives you options. What do you mean? I mean when they say you're sick and we can't do nothing, I do have an option. When they, when they say this circumstance, this is all that can be done and you just have to settle for this, the Word of God does give me an option. I can believe something else. I can go somewhere. When everything looks wrong, like Paul said, and fear comes and said, you have to be subject to this, the Word of God gives me an option. The Word of God tells me I don't have to fear. The Word of God says that perfect love casts out fear. If I understand that he loves me with a perfect love, I don't have to be afraid of anything that comes my way because he loves me and I don't have to fear and I don't have to be subject to fear. The Word of God gives me an option. And I want to tell you, you might feel like you're in a situation tonight where you are stuck and you're having to accept certain realities. I want to tell you something. Somewhere in the Word is an option for you. Somewhere there's an option. You can believe something else. You can trust somebody else. You can turn to somebody else. You can get a second opinion. You can get somebody else. You can look somewhere else. There is somebody else that has spoken on the situation. There is another expert you can call in to know what to do. I, I love his word because it gives me options. Options. I don't have to accept. I don't have to lay down and die. I don't have to just, just uh, accept every reality that comes. I can say, wait a minute, the word of God gives me an option. I got to find an option. And I want to tell you, it has so much potential, so much potential for another reality, for a different outcome. Come on, for a different outcome. Amen. I don't. I don't always want to bring attention back, but it's something that we that we understand. When when one day doctors say not gonna make it, there's an option. The word gives me an option, right? And and the word says you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, right? And and look what's happened. The second opinion has prevailed. Come on, the second option has prevailed. So the Word will give you options. The Word will give you options. How, how, how many knows, though, that sometimes sometimes when, when voices speak into our life, whether it be a doctor or a lawyer, whether it be a judge, whether it be a banker, whether it be family, whether it be the enemy himself, or sometimes I've even found this, is sometimes, sometimes I've been guilty of echoing my enemy. I've echoed my enemy in my own ear, my own hearing. I, I, I've, I've heard what he said, and instead of searching for options, I've echoed it to myself. Yeah. I recorded it, what he said one time, and now I say it to myself. Y'all ain't going to help me, but y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. I know you holy, and you ain't done that, but you pray for me. Because there's times that I've become an echo of my enemy until somehow the Spirit of the Lord has interrupted through a word, through a message, through a song, through a moment, and, and has said, wait a minute, you're, you're going down the wrong track. You're believing the wrong thing. Your eyes are on the wrong place. Your mind is in the wrong, uh, on the wrong thing. And, and he said, there's an option. You don't have to submit to that. You don't have to surrender to that. You don't have to just lay down and take that. There is an option. And so I love that about the Word of God. I love it. I love the Word of God. I, I don't want to be an echo of the enemy. I, I'd rather, be, I'd rather have, be the voice of one crying, right? 
I'd rather be one that, that declares the, the word of the Lord. And I, I love the word. I love the Bible. I, I especially love the book of Genesis. I have just this special uh, affinity to the, to the book of Genesis. I don't really know fully what it is, but, but maybe it's because it's the book of beginnings. And sometimes I've realized in my life anyway, it's become a book of new beginnings. When, when, I, when, I've need, when I've been in a situation where I needed something to begin again, I needed a new start, I needed something. And when I say that, I'm talking about something fresh. God will often take me back to this book. And, and, and I preached out of it a, a, a few times here even, uh, even re- recently and shared other things with individuals out of it. But I love it. The, the book of Genesis, the word Genesis simply means beginning. Beginning. It's the beginning. And, 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 and how many knows this, that the beginning, when it says in the beginning, this is what the New Testament teaches, that Jesus said, I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. And so Jesus is even in Genesis. I even see, and maybe that's why because why I'm, I, I, I come back to Genesis because I understand that a new beginning in my life is not an event, it's an encounter with a person. If you're waiting on an event to happen, well, if this check comes, well, if this thing comes, if that comes in the mail, if this happens, if, if, if they decide this at work and all that, and well, then I'll have my new beginning. But you got to understand, Jesus is the beginning. And when you need a new beginning, you just need a new encounter with the beginning. And when you get a fresh encounter with the beginning, he can bring newness into your life. Nothing out here seems to have changed. But something on the inside has changed. Something new is happening because he's the beginning. How many knows that's where he really begins things anyway is on the inside. He begins it in us. And so I, I, I'm, I'm glad that our, our beginning is found. In, in fact, that, that's our story in salvation. That our, our, our new beginning in him is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. How, in, in many ways, we, we could read this in the beginning God created. We could read it in Jesus God created the heaven and the earth. John, John solidified that. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And he goes on and said, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. And so the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, he's talking about Jesus and so he is the beginning and so when you need a beginning it's Jesus in Jesus God created in Jesus God moves you want a move of God draw close to Jesus get your eyes on Jesus you need something created or recreated or renewed look to Jesus because it's in Jesus that God does that kind of work it's through Jesus It's through Jesus. It's definitely not through me. It's not through a man. It's not through a church. It's not through a person. It's not through an organization. It's through Jesus. And he can use that. He can use others. But it comes back to Jesus. He's the root of it. God creates and recreates. And this is what the Bible teaches, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that therefore he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. He's had a new beginning. Anybody glad for your new beginning in Christ? And so through Jesus, God creates new things. And what I love about that is what I've been saying is that through Jesus, you don't have to settle for and live in the old. God can bring forth the new. And so I just want to talk a little bit about that and bring a few points out of this. And, you know, I almost fell a victim to something that I, I do it. I think other preachers probably do it too. Uh, Sunday night, I was I was in a zone. I just had this word that just I just couldn't. In fact, I could just cut loose and preach that all over again. I really could. I've been crossed. I've been crossed, and and, and I could preach again. And 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 if the Lord would have told me to, I would have. I wouldn't have hesitated. When he tell you, I preach stuff over and over all the time, because Paul said it is not grievous for me to say the same thing to you, but for you indeed it is safe. It's for your well-being that you hear it over and over. Sometimes once is not enough. Sometimes once is not enough. Sometimes once is not enough. 
some, sometimes you want the preacher to say something else. Sometimes once is not enough. Amen. And so, so, but all of that, and what you want to do is you want to, we do this, I do this. You compare. You start comparing. Well, where does this stack up next to that? But you know what? I just had to do a reality check and say, you know what? That's not my job. That's, that's not that that's not what it's about. It's about obeying the Lord. It's about saying what he won't say. And I just want to share a few simple things, but I think significant in, in, in our in our hearing tonight uh, about this, about this new and God bringing forth the new. Because I, I just believe, I sense that somebody here has a situation or two or a dozen or whatever the case might be that you need a new beginning in. You need something to start afresh. You need something. I mean, you need it to start. And I, I want to show you something through this tonight. For, first of all, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I alluded to this earlier. I want you to understand something. The order here, I think, speaks to us. That he created heaven and then the earth. He created heaven and then the earth. Heaven, then the earth. In other words, heaven had preeminence. Heaven had priority. Heaven represents the spiritual. Earth is the natural. You cannot get the order reversed and live successfully. You cannot put the natural first and the spiritual secondary. You can't put God second or down the row. You have to put heaven first. You have to put God first. You have to put the spiritual first. You have to give it priority in your life. When you need a new beginning, check and make sure that heaven is still first. Make sure heaven is before earth. Come on, somebody, because we live in a society who magnifies and worships earth. I'm not just talking about tree huggers. I'm talking about the self-life, the flesh, and things of that nature. you got to make sure that you put things in its proper place and proper priority. Heaven has to be first. The spiritual has to be first. God has to be on the throne. And so heaven, he created heaven and then the earth. I want you to notice that this is important that, it, that we get the order right. So make sure that your order is right. Make sure that the spiritual amen. Make sure that the spiritual is in its proper place, in its prioritized place. This is why. This is why. You'll see this. You'll see this. He said he created heaven then the earth. The spiritual and the natural. It's the order. It's heaven first. It's the spiritual is, is first. It's priority. It's preeminent. You give priority to the spiritual. And here's why. He said, because even when heaven was first, I want you to get this, even when heaven was first, and theologically between verses 1 and 2, it's where people believe that Satan was judged and Satan fell and he was cast to the earth. And, and, and because the Bible said in Isaiah 45 and 18, I believe it is, that God did not create the earth in vain. And yet here we see in verse 2, the earth was without form and void. And 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 it and and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It's what where many people believe that that Satan was cast out of heaven, and the judgment that that was brought with that began to what God had created began to be destructive. How many of those judgment will bring a destructive result, disastrous result? Whether that happened or not, I'm not here to argue or debate all that. The point of the matter is this. He created the heaven and then the earth. And at this stage, for whatever reason, the earth was without form and void. Look at this. The earth was formless. It was out of shape. It was chaotic. It was full of confusion. It was empty. It was fruitless. It was void. It was dark. It was dreary. But that was earth. Heaven was unaffected. Heaven was unaffected. Things may be chaos in the earth, Brother Davy. Things may be confusing in the earth realm. Things politically, things culturally, things religiously. It might be chaotic. It might be dark. It might be dreary. It might be turned upside down. This doesn't make sense. We, it has no shape. But I want to tell you something. Heaven is unaffected. Heaven still has it all together. Heaven is still in perfect. Come on. Heaven has been perfectly preserved. And, and, and if the earth stands a chance, we need help from heaven. The earth cannot fix itself. What the earth needs cannot come from earth. It must come from heaven. That's why when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound not from the earth it came from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the house if there's any hope for our culture if there's any hope for our families if there's any hope for this generation if there's any hope for resurrection and revival we need help from heaven because heaven is not empty heaven is not powerless heaven is not void Heaven is not dark. Heaven is still perfectly preserved. Heaven is strong. Heaven is powerful. Heaven has it all together. Heaven is still able to help you. Heaven can still reach you where you are. Right. <laughs> I don't know why this hit me, but the little Rensler, <laughs> I thought of hollering there, and he asked, he asked his mom, he said, is he going to be loud tonight? You know what she said? Bless her heart. She said, no, this is Keith. This ain't Brother Lee. <laughs> and it, for some reason, it just hit me. It's like, oh, my gosh. Rensler's probably having a fit. <laughs> Amen. You get up here and it just gets in you and you just. Because while the natural rim was chaotic, the heaven was still intact. Can I tell you something tonight about things going on in the earth and in the world? God's not nervous. God's not nervous. God's not upset. He's not pacing. He hasn't like stood up and pacing back and forth in the throne room saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about that? Oh, oh, what am I going to do about that? He, he hasn't called me and said, hey, this caught me off guard. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. Heaven's in perfect shape. The earth may be chaotic. I'm coming to where you live in a minute. I'm talking general right now. But 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 I, I, earth might be chaotic. The culture might be chaotic. The church might sometimes be chaotic. Religious, religiously, we may be chaotic in this world. But, but, but heaven is not chaos. Heaven is not full of chaos. He, heaven has it all together. Heaven has it, heaven has it going on. And, 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 and so let me, let me come to where you live. Maybe it's, maybe it's your life. Maybe your life there's chaos. Maybe you got a situation that, that's turned upside down. Maybe there's something with you. Maybe there's a situation or two or ten or however many the case might be. you got to know that if the earth, if, if your life, if the natural of your life is chaotic, if it's void, if it's empty, if it's out of shape, if it's formless, if it's void and empty, if it is dark, if it is dreary, if it is frustrating, if it is devastating, if it is dreary and you don't know what to do, let me tell you something. Just because your earth life is that way does not mean your spirit life has to be the same way. Your spirit life can be fully intact. Heaven was intact while the earth was chaos and your spirit can actually be excelling in the middle of a chaotic crisis in this earth. This is the power of God. This is the power of his word. This is the power of what he does. That he doesn't need perfect circumstances to do his perfect work. He does some of his best work. You ever fussed at God? Wouldn't advise it, but I've fussed at God before. And man, I just feel like sometimes he's laid into me and just said... What are you talking about? Because your eyes are on the wrong thing. I, I've tried to tell God, Pastor Lee, I mean, you prayed for me. Because I've tried to tell God how he could have got more glory by doing it the way I thought he should have. You know, God, if you'd have done this, you'd have got more glory. I feel like recently the Lord, the Lord just kind of raked me over and kind of set me straight. And I felt like... You ever got a letter and it says P.S.? P.S. means I'm not going to this long explanation. I'm not going to explain this all to you, but I just want you to know this FYI nugget of information. I feel like God just kind of got through with me and said, P.S., don't tell me how to get my glory. Don't. 
Don't try to tell God how to get the most glory. God's got a plan a lot of times we don't know anything about. God's got it all under control. Heaven is intact. The earth is chaotic, and I'm looking at it from earth to heaven, but he's looking from heaven to earth, and he sees it completely different. So I can't offer an opinion about some things because i got to have it from his perspective, and when he sees it, it could be totally different. And he said, don't, don't, be, don't be telling me how to get my glory. I know what I'm doing. I know how I'm pulling it together. I know how I'm weaving this. I know how, I, how I'm working in this. But you might be even as an individual in a situation that you feel it is, it is you are stuck. You, it is chaotic. It is confusing. It is frustrating. You don't know what to do. I want to tell you something. If you, if you stand a chance, then your help's going to have to come from heaven. It's not going to come from earth. And heaven is still intact. Heaven has what it takes to fix the earth. Are you hearing me? Heaven has what it takes to fix the earth. Heaven can over heaven must overrule the earth. The spiritual must rule the physical. Amen. The Bible says this. The Bible says, says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. The earth was without form and void and darkness prevailed. I wonder if that's your life. I wonder if even though God, God's been doing things in your life and God's work and God saved you, and yet your life seems like it's without form. Lord, this is out of shape. Anybody got something that's out of shape? You don't have to say amen, but, 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 but this is out of shape. This is out of form. This, is, this does, doesn't seem like it should go where it's going and, and be how it is, and, 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 and it's void. It's empty. It's fruitless. I, I, I want it to be productive. I want to bring you glory, and you get glory when there's much fruit, but this seems so fruitless. It seems like it's not working. It seems like it's not coming about and, and so I wonder if this fits your life or, or an area of your life sometimes life uh, in the natural can be out of shape it can be chaotic it can be fruitless it can be empty it can be dark sometimes all hope seems lost sometimes dreams are crushed sometimes despair can even try to prevail but here's what I come to tell somebody tonight that while the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep what you need to understand was and the spirit of God moved that while your life is chaotic and while things are out of shape and while things are not working the way you want them to, God is still moving. God is still working. You may not see it. You may not discern it. You may not know it. You may not perceive it. But God is moving. The Spirit was moving on the face of the waters. In the middle of the chaos, God was moving. I got to tell somebody that. In the middle of your chaos, God is moving. In the middle, come on, in the middle of your, of your emptiness, God is moving. Right there where you are frustrated, God is moving. You say, I don't see it. It don't matter. It doesn't matter if you see it. That's the whole point. God is moving. What we see is not just the first thing we see about the Spirit was that He moved. I, I've heard that. I've preached that. You know, hey, the first thing we see about the Spirit of God is that He moved. Don't tell me you got the Spirit if you don't move. If you got the Spirit, you're going to move. I mean, I'll preach Pentecostal like crazy. You're going to move if you got the Spirit. And I believe that. But here's what we don't always talk about is where He was moving. He was moving in the dark. He was moving out of sight. He, he was moving in obscurity. He was moving where it could not be seen. He, he, he was moving where it was not readily discerned. Do you know why he had to tell us that this happened? Because nobody was there to see it. This came by revelation that this is how it went down. Because nobody was there to see it. God was moving before people was there to know he was moving. And before you know God's moving on your behalf, I bet you anything that he's moving on your behalf. Even when you don't know it, when you don't see it, when you can't feel it, when you can't sense it, when you don't know what he's doing. God is moving. God's moving. God is moving. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters there where it was dark and formless and out of shape and empty. God was moving. And I come to tell somebody tonight that the Spirit of God 
while your dream is messed up and your job is frustrating you and while your finances are upside down and your family's causing you grief and your health is being challenged and your life seems to be stuck, I come to tell you, it might be dark, it might be dreary, it might be frustrating, it might be disappointing, it might be chaotic, but I come to tell somebody the Spirit of God is still moving. He's moving on your behalf. You may not see it, you may not know it, you may not discern it, you may not be able to put down this is what he's really doing. I can't tell you exactly what he's doing, but I know he's moving, I know he's brooding, I know he's hovering, I know he's preparing, I know he's doing a work. Why? Because it's scriptural. It's biblical that he moves even when you can't see it. Watch, the Spirit of God is moving. And we have to be told that because he's moving in an environment that we wouldn't expect him to. Because you know God will move in places and in ways that you don't even expect him to move. You, you say, there ain't no way God's in this. Ain't no way God's moving in this. Don't judge it too quickly. Because I said God was moving. I didn't say he was finished. Don't judge him moving for him being finished. He can still move when things look ugly. He can still, come on, when things are still hurting, when you're still bleeding, he can still be moving. Come on, your wound don't have to be totally healed for you to say, now God's moving. No, God was moving when you was bleeding. Come on, God was moving when you was hurting. God was moving when you was crying. Y'all, 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 y'all ain't gonna heal. I'm telling you, 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 you need to understand. Somebody needs to know tonight God is moving for you right now. Right now, right now, right now. Let, let, let me, I, I just want to slip over here just real quick and then I'll come back to Genesis. I, I want you, I want, I want to tell you this. Listen to these verses. Exodus chapter 2 into chapter 3. I want you to hear this. Exodus chapter 2 verse 23. This is what it says. And it came to pass. This was when Egypt, when uh, Israel was in Egypt. They were in Egyptian bondage. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Went there. Uh, uh, really was a blessing, stayed a long time, turned into bondage, taskmasters. They were mistreating them, persecuting, whipping them. I mean, they were in bondage. They were beaten down, bloodied, bruised, and broken. And, and, and so it says, and it came to pass in the process of time, Exodus 2, verse 23, came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. Come on, they sighed and they cried. Got to witness anybody? Anybody been sighing and crying? You don't got to say amen, but, but, but I, I already know. And so Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. So here they are, bleeding, broken, bruised, battered, in bondage. And God hears their sighing and their crying. And the Bible says right after that, now, now, at that point, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burned. Let me drop down, verse 7. And the Lord said, here's what he said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, watch, and I am come down to deliver them. Now, they didn't get out immediately. They didn't. He's just not. Now, listen. I want you to see this. This is the, 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 principle, what, the principle I'm talking about. This is an example. Israel had cried unto the Lord. They, they were sighing. They, the pain, the, the, the bondage, the situation, the circumstance, too much for them. God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to move? When are you going to restore? God, when are you going to bring us out? God, we need you. God, we love God. We want to honor you. God, we want to worship you. God, we want to serve you and follow you. God, we want to bless your name. God, will you come and deliver? Will you do that? And, and, and without them knowing, without the Egyptians knowing, God had heard them. God had seen them. And God said, and I am come down. They didn't even know it. But God had come down. 
to deliver, to deliver, to deliver them. But they were still crying. They were still sighing. But God had come down already. God was working on their behalf when they didn't even know it. He was calling a deliverer. And they didn't know it. Come on. While they were crying and they were sighing, there was a bush burning on Horeb. There was a bush burning on the mountain. I come to tell somebody, you might be tonight, you may have come in here crying and sighing, but I promise you, God told me to tell you, there's a bush burning somewhere. God's working on your behalf. He's not going to leave you where you are. He's heard your cry. He's seen your sigh. And he has come down to deliver you. Well, I don't see it. I don't sense it. I don't feel it. I've got no evidence of that. How many knows it's a faith thing? God calls us to walk by faith. And you got to hear things from heaven, not the earth. You got to hear things in the spirit that you don't hear on the earth. Everything on the earth said the contrary was true. But all at the same time, God's, t- God's showing us, oh, yeah, yeah. When it's chaotic, when it's frustrating, when it's dark, when it's dreary. And yet God's moving. And God's calling and God's orchestrating. And God said, now listen, here, here, here's what I want you to get. What I want you to get is, is, is that while they were still sighing, something was stirring. While they were still stuck, come on, son, God, was, God was moving on their behalf. While they were still bloody and broken, a bush was burning on Horeb, a bush was burning on the mountain, God was calling out. While they were still depressed, God was working on their deliverer. Can I tell you something tonight that God knows where you're at? And even though where you are right now seems dark and chaotic, I need to tell you that God's still moving and something's getting ready to break on your behalf. I believe tonight, listen, the Bible said this, that God, that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It was still without form. It was still void. It was still dark. But God was moving. God was moving. And then at that point, God began to speak, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. I mean, those, up until now, there had only been darkness. Up until that point, there had only been darkness. But God said, let there be light, and there was light. God didn't say, let the circumstance change. He said, let the light come anyway. By the way, day one, he created light. He didn't create the sun till day four. So for you that think that the light comes by changing your circumstance, the sun didn't even exist till three days after the light was shining. Because the entrance of thy word giveth light, not the changing of my circumstance. Y'all ain't going to help me. I say when he speaks, if he speaks light, there will come light. And the light comes to you before anything changes. Come on. He said let there be light and there was light. But the earth still hadn't took shape. Still wasn't no fruitfulness. Still wasn't productivity. Seeds still wasn't growing and producing. But there was light. There was hope. There was expectation. There was change. There was movement. And 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 I, I want you. I want to see this. I'm, I'm I'm almost done. Almost done, because because here here's where I really want to go. I believe that for somebody, you you need not underestimate any word from the Lord. Do not underestimate any word from the Lord. God is about to declare light, and the light that comes comes in you become before it comes around you. We always look externally for light and not internally. I'm telling you, God will start the light on the inside. God will illuminate something inside of you before he, in other words, he'll do it in you before he does it for you. And so, so I, I want you to see this too. You, you need to get this. The Bible said this, that, that when God divided, that, that when God said let there be light, he declared it. God saw the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. And, and, and I love that because he declares light and then he divides the light from the darkness. 
and, and I don't have time to talk about that, but, but I believe there's coming a separate. God's about to separate you from what, 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 what has overwhelmed you. What, 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 has, what has caused you to feel uh, the, the chaos and the frustration. I believe he's about to separate you from it. That's what his word does. And, 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 and so, so where darkness has been prevailing. But I, w- I want you to understand this. Then the Bible says, says, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. This was not the conclusion of the process. This was day one of deliverance. And watch carefully. You need to get this. See, see the Jews, the Jews do not count days like we count days. We count days. Our day starts when? At midnight. Why do we call it midnight when it's the beginning of the day? Right? We start the day midway through. I don't even make sense. How many knows the earth is confused? Evidently, the earth is confused. Because we call midnight the beginning of the day. And, and and so so it's 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 midnight. We count from twelve to twelve, but that's not the way the Jews count days. They count days from six p.m. to six p.m. That that's how their day. If 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 we was gathered here, we're gathered here on Friday. But but if we went by the way Jews look at time, it would already be Saturday, because they count at six p.m. would have started a new day. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Say what? What relevant? Here's here's the relevance for for the Jews, and and really for us too. But 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 even even more so for them. Do you know why they count it that way? Because of Scripture. Because this says, and the evening and the morning were the first day, not the morning and the evening, not the morning first, the evenings first. The day begins in the dark. And ends in the light. So, so you that's been praying for a new day and things got dark, welcome to your new day. I say welcome to your new day because the day begins in the dark, which means your deliverance begins in the dark. God's, God's been doing, this ain't, this ain't nothing that we don't know. God's been doing something fresh here at Walton. Been glad to have been in on it. Whether I got to participate or just, just receiving from it. Uh, much, much, much less any opportunity I've had to, to try to contribute. But, but God's been doing something so great and so powerful here. And, and if, if you really want to go back, and I know it goes back, we could look at various things, even, even back and back and back. But especially this flow, I'll tell you when it, I tell you, one way that you could look at it when it started was July twenty first, twenty nineteen, when it was really dark, when it was dark, and when it got really, really dark, and we was crying. Oh, and and especially then on the twenty second, when a prayer meeting broke out. Spontaneous, right here in this building, right here in this area, right here, and people began to call out on the Lord. Now, not a lot had changed. It was still dark, formless, out of shape, void, still bad reports, still all kinds of stuff saying ain't going to make it, ain't going to happen. Come on, still in a coma, still having to have surgeries, still looked hopeless, still looked like it wasn't going to happen. It was dark, but the Spirit of God was moving. But the Spirit of God was moving. But the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God was moving. And you may not have seen it. We may not have known it. We may not have understood it. But the Spirit of God was moving. And He was working things. Even when it looked dark. Even when it looked chaos. Even when it was chaotic and frustrating and, 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 and dark and, and dreary. And it looked devastating. Yet God was moving. Why? Because a new day begins in the dark. Deliverance begins in the dark. If you are in a dark situation right now, it very well could be the first day of your deliverance. Here's, here's, here's what I want to tell you. Because don't confuse deliverance with victory. Right. Don't confuse deliverance with victory. Deliverance is the process that leads to victory. Yeah. 
Deliverance is a process. We think deliverance came for the Israelites when they walked out of Egypt. No, 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 no. The first day of their deliverance was when the bush was burning on Horeb. That's when the fire of deliverance was ignited. Now, they didn't know it then. They couldn't see it then. They couldn't discern it then, but it was at work. And on July 21st and 22nd, we couldn't discern it. We couldn't see it. We didn't know it, but the fire had already started. The bush, the bush was already burning. God was already orchestrating. God was already saying, oh, you watch what I do here. You watch how I bring this about. You watch how I'm going to flow out of this. You watch this. They want to sing about rescue? You watch what I do. I'll make it more than a song. I'll make it a living example of the song. I'll make it a sure rescue. Why? Because even when it's dark, God can still move. And, and, and so don't confuse deliverance with victory because some, some of us are waiting we're waiting till we get victory before we celebrate deliverance. And deliverance is a process. Deliverance is when God begins work. I'm, I'm, come on. I, in other words, it, it's what God is doing to lead me unto victory. Amen. The, the, the battle is not victory. The battle is the process of deliverance that gets us to victory. When, when, when Moses went, had a lot of confrontations with Pharaoh, a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance, a lot of negativity, a lot of nope, 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 maybe, nope, nope. I mean, he heard that repeatedly, but he kept pushing, and he kept pushing. And I want to tell you, every time he pushed back, every time the, the enemy, every time Pharaoh pushed against him and he pushed back, God said, I'm working my deliverance. I'm working my deliverance. You're getting closer to coming out of here, getting closer to coming out of this, getting closer to coming through this, getting closer to my full restoration, getting closer to the promised land. You ain't got victory yet, but you're getting deliverance. You're getting deliverance. You're getting deliverance. It might be one step at a time. It might be some setbacks. It might be some pushbacks. But, but I'm leading you in a process of deliverance, and it might be dark, and it it might be chaotic, and you may not be able to see the full picture, but I'm working on your behalf. So victory might have come when they walked out of Egypt, but deliverance started on a mountain when a bush was burning, and he called somebody and said, I want you to get involved, and I'm going to take you down there, and I'm going to lead you to bring my people out, for I have come down to deliver them. And I, I, I come to tell somebody, I come to tell somebody that if you're in the dark, I don't even know where I'm at. If, if you're in the dark, I'm in the dark. A new day begins in the dark. Deliverance begins in the dark. I even like this. John 20, verse 1. Jesus was crucified and he went to the, they put him in the tomb. And the Bible says that on that first resurrection, on that first Easter morning, the resurrection that the women came to the tomb. This is what it said in John 20, verse 1, that they came while it was yet dark. The resurrection started in the dark where nobody was there to see it. Amen. Where nobody was there to witness it yet. Come on, by the time they got there, the stone was moved. You don't have to see it for it to happen. It can be dark and you can be in obscurity, but I'm telling you, one of these days, you're just going to walk that path and you're going to see that stone's been rolled back and the Savior is going to be there and he's going to be alive in you. He's going to encounter him in a new way. Watch this. They couldn't see it. Israel couldn't see it. They couldn't know it. But God was answering their prayers, their sighs, their cries while they were still feeling the pain of persecution. God had already come down. It wasn't victory, but it was deliverance. It was the first day of their deliverance. So this is what I want to tell you. That, that this, may not, this may not be the first day of your victory. But if you'll hear a prophetic word tonight, I believe God wants this to be the first day of your deliverance. Everything may not change. Everything may not be fixed. Then again, it might. 
But God wants to initiate something in us that moves us along, that lets us walk by faith and not by sight. If, if you rejoice only in what you see God do, that's one thing, and that's great, and you ought to praise him. But, but, but can you praise him before the sea splits open? Can you dance on this side of the sea instead of that side of the sea? Can you dance when the enemy's still, still uh, uh, pursuing you? Can you sing and celebrate then? Or you, do you have to wait until you see your enemy drowned in the midst of the sea? Or can you celebrate now? Can you, can you praise him now? Can you glorify him now when everything's still chaotic and dark and frustrating and dreary and you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how it's going to turn out, and you got no evidence that anything is moving? For can you praise him anyway? Can you glorify him? Because this is what God said. Even though it wasn't fixed, even though it wasn't finished, even though it wasn't fruitful, even though there was still some shapelessness and it was still void to a degree, he said, when God saw it, he said, and it was good. And I want to tell you, we gotta we gotta learn how to how to praise God for partial progress. Praise God for partial progress. If it's a step. If it's day one of my deliverance, I'm going to praise him on day one. I'm not going to wait till day 99. Come on. I'm not going to wait till day 132. I'm going to praise him on day one. I'm going to praise him right now because I know he's faithful to his word. I know he'll do what he said he will do. Amen. Amen. Call if you, you won't come. I, 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 wanna, I believe this. I, I, I believe that this evening the Lord just spoke this into my heart. That, that, that for somebody, for somebody, this year, 2020, his five words he spoke. And the five words he spoke to me was this. It's time for a turn. It's time for a turn. It's time for your circumstance to turn. It's time for your health to turn. It's time for your... Your, your, your family to turn. It's time for that thing that's been dark and dreary and been holding you. It's time for it to turn. It's time for a turn. But you don't need to wait to see it to celebrate it. What you do is you grab on to that and you say, God, that is for me. You are speaking to me. By faith, I will praise you. You know what I found with God? His credit is good. His credit is great. I found that you can praise him now and let him do it later. You can praise him in advance. And he is faithful to do what he said he will do. And so I don't know about you, but I've got some things that that I need not only turn, but I got things that's chaotic. I got th- I got things that's turned around. I got things that's formless and void.